What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. To another episode of the Triple Play Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. Remember, if you uh, like that Fantasy Points little promo right there, if you use discount code Triple Play Twenty Two, you'll get ten percent off all their great tools over at FantasyPoints.com. D Mendy here, joined by a piece of cake that has excellent ratios and volume. It's Art Tornabeni, aka Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. I um, I'm excited to to have our baseball back, of course, and I'm also excited to have my first post baseball back draft coming up this weekend so uh it's it's going really well I'm, I'm i'm taking everything in trying trying to drink all all the flood of news that's coming at us what would that draft be elsie that is the darf draft the dc area area roto fanatic uh that is all these it's a live draft of all these uh local area analysts including including our boy doc's gonna be there so it's, it's gonna be a good time and you're the commissioner of this new league set, isn't it, aren't you? I am. I think that we would not have a D.C. area league if I hadn't done it because Doc wasn't going to do it, even though I probably <laughs> tried to get him to do it. Max. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's, I'm glad you stepped up and are going to provide that. And I have FOMO for missing out. But uh, we will get to why Marty and I are not part of the, the DARF league here. But, of course, another guy on the panel that you know, it's Somebody that tells his girlfriend's father they have the same name, Daddy. It's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? What? <laughs> what? You, you shake your girlfriend's father's hand. You say, hey, we have the same name, Daddy. Do you want me to say that to your wife's dad? That's, 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 I'm saying for you to say it to your girlfriend's dad. I don't have a girlfriend. I was watching a, I was watching a TikTok, and the guy's like, hey, just wanted to know we have the same name, Daddy. He's like, oh. Your handshake, it's very similar to your daughter's. You both have a strong grip. <laughs> it's, oh I was gosh. just, everything about it was just freaking dying. The, kid, the guy's freaking hilarious. But anyway, how are you doing, Doc? You know, I'm doing well. Like, I, you were spot on with your intros for a while, and then you just threw a Rich Hill curve there. That's so what I get do. get back to baseball. That's what I do. We can't forget the man who is no longer a Glarf virgin also on the panel. It is Marty Tallman, a.k.a. Marty Party. How was the Glarf draft? Dude, uh, first off, it's great to be here. Baseball is back. That's super exciting. The flood of news is crazy. And Glarf was amazing because I did not draft Fernando Tatis Jr. So, hey, we're just dodging bullets here. Uh, absolutely amazing. But, no, uh, shout out to everybody. We met up in Chicago. It was it started at 2 o'clock and it ended closer to 9 p.m. It was an absolute marathon. Some great minds in there. I got snaked left and right. Uh, Doug Ishikawa from SP Streamer has my number, dude. He took Josh Hader. I just, there's so many different people, but yeah, it was a great time and uh, looking forward to the actual season starting here soon. Who he was taking third in your draft, right? Cause you got sewed up four. Yep. Yeah. He was third. And I, I was hoping he would, I was like, man, is it possible he drops to me? I was super excited. And then <laughs> he didn't. And it turned out to be a, okay. Well, we're going to get into what exactly what happened to Fernando Tatis. If you've been living under a rock, we're actually going to be getting into all the free agents and all the injuries. We're getting through everything tonight. We we kind of pulled an audible triple play. We met together in our group chat and we said, you know what? We need to go through all the news going on and kind of pause our position previews. So what we're doing, because we love you guys, is over the next three weeks, we are going to be pumping out at least two episodes a week for you guys to make sure we can get through all our position previews and then also get through any big trades, free agency news, all that type of stuff to get you guys ready for the season. 
we work overtime here. Elsie sets the tone and we just follow. So uh, we decided to make sure we get through as much stuff as we can with you guys. And we're going to do that starting right now with our free agent frenzy. And we're going to talk about all the news. Let's break it down with what's happening right now. And we're going to go from the newest news to kind of what happened just a couple days ago. So baseball's back. First, we're happy about that. Now let's get to what's happening since baseball's back. First, the Brewers have signed Andrew McCutcheon. Right now, they have not reported, I believe, what the sides of the deal are as of this recording. But last season, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, not exactly what you would expect from him. But if you combine the two seasons together over the last two, he's at 37 homers and has slashed a 232, 331, 441 slash line with a WRC plus of 106. And seemed like he kind of did more kind of a platoon type of player as as he's not being used obviously every day like he used to be but this could be a big deal for the brewers who specifically people that have been wanting to draft tyrone taylor this is kind of throwing a wrench into that so i gotta ask you guys and marty i'll start with you andrew mccutcheon to the brewers do you like drafting mccutcheon here and then what does this do about maybe the lorenzo kane and tyrone taylor type of players out there yeah, so I'm actually super excited for him. This is a great landing spot for him. The um, the offense needs to improve to kind of keep up with the pitching. The hitter's park is absolutely incredible for him. Um, as compared to um, looking at uh, Philadelphia last year, it's actually just slightly below what's considered a hitter's park, and Brewers on the other side of that is, you know, as you know, pretty much a bomb show. So looking, hopping over to roster resource, which we know isn't the Bible, but it's a good place to start. They have him slotting in as a DH. Shout out to the DH and the NL. Love that. And um, he's going to look like he's going to bat fourth, a sandwich between Christian Yelich and Robbie Telez. And did you know that Andrew McCutcheon is actually younger than Lorenzo Kane? Or on the flip side of that, Lorenzo Kane is just slightly uh, four months older than McCutcheon. I thought that was interesting. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, Kane's still going to be the starter um, center field. Um, even though at his age, he's still getting around you know, pretty quickly there. Um, still slotted there at center field. Hunter Renfro is going to be a right field as they acquired him in the offseason. Yelich in uh, left field. And then, yeah, it, it, it forces Taylor to the bench. But like you said, he's, he's more, uh, McCutcheon's more of a platoon guy at this point. So they're going to be switching him in and out. But overall, his first off, he has a team. So we can all kind of understand where he's going to play. And I, I don't think he could have landed in a better spot. Yeah, I think it's great for them. And the Brewers already have the pitching, obviously. They just need to get some offense. And he's not a bad player to have on your team, for sure. Yeah, and McCutcheon hit 27 homers last year. That would have been tops for the Brewers. Willie Adamas was the leader with 25. Luis Arias with 23. I mean, McCutcheon played 144 games last year. That's with no DH. So if you can put him in that role, I mean, he could give you 150-plus if healthy. As of this recording right now, Blue Jays are making a push for Kyle Schwarber. Can you imagine that? Toronto. Wowza. Wowza. That'd be crazy. Uh, but that's not actually anything hasn't happened with that yet. So we don't want to do that. So let's go to a trade that went down earlier today. The Mariners acquiring all-star outfielder Jesse Winker and third baseman Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. The Seattle's going to reportedly assume the entire three years, 35 million left on Suarez's contract in exchange. They're sending pitching prospect Brandon Williamson Outfielder Jake Fraley and right-hander Justin Dunn and a player to be named later to Cincinnati. Jake Fraley and Justin Dunn were on the Major League roster, so these are players you would expect right away that are going to be used by the Reds here. But, I mean, Jesse Winker got his due as an all-star first time last season. WRC Plus of 127 or better. 
um, in four of his uh, five career seasons. You know how much he struggles uh, against lefties. He doesn't usually get in the lineup very much versus lefties, but against righties, he just absolutely rakes. And Suarez, maybe a change of scenery. You already know he has 40 home run potential. But the Mariners look like they are all in here, and the Reds look like they are just fire sailing, and they're they're the Oakland A's of the National League right now. LC, what did you make of this move? I'm I'm really wondering what Winker does outside of the Great American Small Park. Whether that power is going to translate as much. Suarez, you know, is someone who a lot of people had had pegged, you know, because he has that positional multi multi positional flexibility from his time at shortstop last year. As a nice, a lot of people had pegged him as like a good selection around pick two hundred. I've always been dubious, especially since his batting average hasn't recovered. He's going to a worse hitting ballpark right now. So I'm still kind of hesitant, and I, I'm hesitant that the power is going to come through as much as we had expected it to come through if he had stayed in Cincinnati. Um, the Reds, you know, the, the, the pitching prospect was a Willingham. I heard some, uh, some uh, talk that he slots in as the number three overall prospect in the Reds system now. I don't think it was a, a great haul, but, uh, you know, Dunn is a big league pitcher. Um, Fraley is a big league hitter. You know, they got some help at the major league level. Um, and they gave up. Obviously, you know, they felt the, that Winker and Suarez were expendable and they were looking to get something for him. I, I mean, I, I, and I, I do. I think that uh, I wait to see whether or not the power uh, goes in the same way uh, that they had last year in Cincinnati when they get to Seattle. Yeah, as of right now, Jesse Winker in left field. You got Jared Kelnick in center. And then you're going to have Mitch Hanniger in right. You got Kyle Lewis coming off a serious knee injury. He's, they report he's not going to be ready for opening day. But then you have Taylor Trammell and Dylan Moore potentially as, as depth options. And then you obviously have the monster himself, Julio Rodriguez, potentially coming up midseason. And uh, that team is just absolutely loaded right now. Maybe they'll make the playoffs. I hope so. I think they have the longest drought, if I'm not Since mistaken. Since 2001. Yeah. So it's. I, yeah, I definitely think this does say that Rodriguez doesn't start the the year with the team. I think this kind of seals that. Yeah. And uh, just real quick on Winker. I mean, with his power, I mean, when you look at because I, I brought up his baseball savant, and actually shout out the baseball savant. They already have the um his like the Mariners Park over his home runs from last year, uh, and none of these are wall scrapers. So he barrels the ball in the 74th percentile. His max exit velocity is in the 89th percentile. So when he makes contact, you know, it's not like he's just scraping the top of that wall. He's an absolute bomb. So I think it's more for for me. Winker is more like it's equal. I don't think it's going to go up or down. There's a better lineup now. So I think that's going to help us counting stats. Obviously the park isn't as good but for Suarez. I think it's definitely up because he only does hit absolute bombs and he's going to actually have an opportunity to play maybe not every day, but a lot more than he would have with the Reds. Cause there's kind of a log jam there with, um, you know, a shortstop and third base. Where do you think he plays? Cause Abraham Toro, I would think would be the favorite at third. Do you think he just supplements Abraham Toro there? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's like one injury away from playing a little bit more. And I, I don't think he wants Suarez playing every day. You know, I think he is best if he's playing, you know, four or five out of the days and he'll still, I think he'll be able to get the, you know, bat 200 and get you 30 home runs. Yeah. You know what you're going to get from him. Uh, he's kind of established that at this point, the a little bit more under the radar move, the Mets sign Adam Adovino. It's a one year, $4 million deal. My question to you guys is, do you think if Diaz struggles, he could be the first guy up to replace him as the closer? 
or do you think he's strictly just going to be just a useful back end piece for them, but with no shot to close? What do you guys think? Uh, for me, it's going to be Trevor May. I think he's going to be the next guy that slots in there. I mean, he has nasty stuff. He did great last year. Um, I actually have him in a couple DCs for the inevitable fall of uh, Diaz. But um, quietly, the Mets are building like the best roster in base. Not quietly, but they are building the best roster in baseball, and they're really getting that bullpen bulked up. They're spending a lot of money. That's for sure. They are. If it's not from lack of trying by spending, that's for sure. Cohen's going all in for that. Zach Gallen is questionable for opening day to a shoulder issue. Right now, they're saying his status is in doubt with right shoulder discomfort, according to manager Tori Lavolo. And he originally felt discomfort during the lockout. This is part of something you're going to hear on today's show, just where you're finding out some injury news that we did not know about because we were in a lockout. And now we're starting to get reports about these guys that have been injured during the lockout. So it's very frustrating as fantasy managers. You obviously just not obviously, of course, your fantasy team, but just for these guys in general, you want them to be healthy and be able to pitch and make their money. And right now it seems like Gallon is going to have his season delayed just a little bit. They said he was diagnosed with some bursitis and is dealing with some side effects of that issue right now. He's going to throw it from the mound within the next few days. Gallon was already kind of an injury question going into the year. His draft capital, though, wasn't too expensive, at least in my opinion. Doc, are you bumping Zach Gallon down? Are you staying away from him? What are you doing with Zach Gallon? I was already fading Zach Gallon at his ADP just to the competition he was going to have to play against. And this was obviously before the Fernando Tatis news, but he's going to have to face the Dodgers, the Padres, playing in Colorado and the Giants. I just don't think he was going to get a lot of wins. And I think it's probably going to give up a lot of home runs as well, especially when he does have the road games in Colorado. I mean, now he's just a completely do not draft for me. Great prospect. I just don't like the surrounding situation. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, not the best right there with Arizona. And uh, Zach Allen, he's going to go down, but you know he's going to get that spot in the rotation eventually. They don't like they have a ton of options. You have Madison Bumgarner, Merrill Kelly, and Luke Weaver as your top three spots. Dan Straley's there. Tyler Gilbert, Corbin Martin, not like they have a ton of options. So uh, when he does come back, he's, I think hopefully you can get some innings out of him. It'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, let's talk about Fernando Tatis Jr., who's going to be out the next three months, apparently with a fractured wrist. And right now they're not taught. They don't know if he's going to get surgery or not yet. It could have happened when he's fallen off his motorcycle multiple times throughout the winter. And, it's it's to me this is was the most mind-boggling things come out over the last few days someone fractured his wrist of fernando tatis's caliber and we didn't find out until today which is very interesting to me i want to go around the horn for this one and keep an eye on the private chat because i'm gonna ask you guys a question in the private chat so um marty why don't you give me your thoughts what did you think about the fernando tatis injury today as far as how it came out and then where do you think you feel comfortable drafting him in your fantasy draft yeah, overall, just a huge blow. Like, just as a, a fan of baseball, a fan of uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., um, you know, when I was living in Los Angeles. I was able to make it down to a bunch of Padres game and, uh, and him as a rookie hitting home runs and just, you know, the level that he plays with. He's so exciting. He's, you know, just, it, it just sucks, you know. And what's even more baffling is like, they, I, and I saw that quote on Twitter, you know, they said uh, something about he's had multiple. He's fell he's fell uh, multiple times off his motorcycle. He's not even be able to pinpoint exactly you know how many times he's done it. So it's just to me you know they've invested so much money, huge long term contract into him. 
So um, just it just it sucks for everybody. And what was the second part of that question? Where would you draft him in your fantasy draft today? Like what round do you think you? I wouldn't honestly. I just someone's going to take him before me. For me, he's on the. Um, he he was the reason his being injury prone is the reason why I took Trey Turner. You know, number one um, in any draft that I had, the first overall pick, and this just solidifies it, man. He is a reckless man. So if if he's there, pick ninety six. You don't think you'd take him? If there is an uh, if you have um, an injury slot, you know, IL spot, absolutely. But um, in the NFBCs or anything like that, it's just. I just don't see I don't see him coming back, you know, within two, three months. And anyone who's ever hurt their wrist, me included, you don't get the power back right away. You know, and in any type, and we also love him for his steals. If he dives head first, you know, and he puts his wrist out there, it could easily, you know, jam up once again. And I don't think I don't think he's gonna stop riding his motorcycle either. <laughs> so that's gonna happen again. Goodness gracious. You would think there's something in his contract where he's not allowed to do something like that. You would think, at least. Elsie, same question to you. What were your thoughts on how this injury came about? And then where do you think you'd feel comfortable drafting Tatis at this point? So three months puts him out until mid-June. So let's say you get him back. You can you can expect him back for July 1st. Um, for me, I think that, you know, if you if you decide to 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 use a draft pick on him, you're gonna get July, August, and September, three months out of him basically half the season. Um, it's, it's tough. I think you can't draft him in the top. You can't really draft him in the top 100. I'll be honest with you. Cause you got to use up a whole roster, especially in an NFBC type of format where you only have the seven bench spots. So I think you have to, you have to use him in a spot where like you can stash him and you can't take any other stashes. So he's your one stash, but I don't think you can take him because you're losing so much value against other top 100s, I don't think you can take them in the top like 100, 120 or so. Um, that's just my personal opinion on it. Um, the, how the news came out, obviously, um, obviously, it's 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 disappointing to find out that you know we could have known that he was really injured, like seriously hurt months ago, and that would have really helped our offseason um, prep. And I would not have, I've drafted Tati's first overall in drafts. Um, and it's, you know, you, you just got to take that on the chin when you do it, because you can only go with the information, you know, the fact that the team and Tatis all knew that he wasn't going to be ready for opening day. That's it's, I, I'm just disappointed by that, that I, I it would have been really nice to know. Did you answer where you felt comfortable taking him in your drafts as far as where he'd have to fall for you to scoop him up? I think definitely outside the top 100, probably outside the top like 120 or so. Oh, so you're really dropping him down, LC. That's Yeah, because you're only going to get half of a season and you have to keep him on your bench and you have to hold him. So I think just like all of that complication, having to hold him and only getting half of a season, like you know you're only getting half of a season. I think that makes it hard to take him in your first like nine, eight or nine picks. And I mean, you have to look at it this way too. Like there's talk right now that they said maybe he he should just get his shoulder surgery too. And if he gets both of those, he's probably out for the year at this point. So if you're drafting tomorrow and he ends up getting, deciding to get his shoulder surgery, you know, this weekend, then 
you're probably out of luck completely because at that point he's probably out for the year. So it's a very scary proposition to draft him right now. I heard, you know, they talk about on the rates and barrels podcast about potentially taking him and then you draft someone like Brandon Crawford. And then, you know, you, you're able to pair those guys together and you know, you have, you're not going to use high end draft capital on two short stops. So you get someone later on in the draft like that, who might be like a league average player. And then you combine their stats at the end of the year and you might have like a third round player between the two of them. So like there's that kind of route you could go as well. Doc, what are your thoughts about this whole Tatis situation? Well, it's interesting in our group chat today, I brought up that idea where let's say three months, the Padres aren't where they want to be. And keep in mind, they missed the playoffs last year and they have a similar roster this year. Yes, they're getting Clevenger back. Yes, hopefully Blake Snell does what he did the second half, but they didn't make the playoffs. So they're not a shoe-in to be a favorite, even though they look really good on paper. Tatis is in the second year of the $14,340,000,000 extension. He is a long-term asset to them. And you have to think if there's any chance that they're going to bring him back and they don't feel 100%, that they might play it safe. Tatis, maybe he plays 10, 20 games. The Padres aren't in contention, and they shut him down and have the shoulder surgery. So maybe not even he misses the entire season but he only plays a limited amount of games. I mean, I'm not drafting him at all because I know I'm just not going to get him at a price that I feel comfortable, but he was already shaky coming into this year because of the shoulder. And I think it's just even more of a risk now. Yeah, it's, I'm at the point right now where I I was talking on a a Twitter uh, live or whatever it's called Twitter spaces. And when the subject came up and I said, I think I would take him, probably somewhere in the sixth or seventh round where it stands today because of the upside he can give you. And I would just take that gamble. And like we were saying before, I might take a short stop that I can just plug in for that time. But obviously if, if we start hearing things, then that's going to keep dropping at this point. So it's kind of depends on your risk. And we also kind of brought up the point. I don't know how you guys feel about this too. It depends on the league you play in, right? If you play in a league with people that aren't as necessarily as skilled at fantasy baseball and you're like, you know what, I can afford to draft Fernando Tatis because I know I'm the shark of this league and I can pick up a bunch of players they might not know about, you know, breakouts that might just be on the waiver wire and I can just kind of stream some hitters and and do what I need to do until Tatis comes back compared to if you play on a a big NFBC league to where you have no no IL spots and you're with guys that you're going to hurt if you take that zero in production or that lack in production. So just kind of knowing what league you're in and who you're playing with, that can also factor if you want to take that risk on Tatis. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the league, so I'm looking at the Glarf draft board and uh, guess who went in the sixth round, Mr. Bobby Witt Jr. Mm. So David, let me ask you at this point, who would you rather have Fernando Tatis in the sixth or uh, Bobby Witt? Oh, give me all the Bobby Witt Jr. All of it. I'll all that. Shout out to Adam Howe who actually drafted him. He, he uh, <laughs> I was on his pod and he, uh, I, I told him that, that that's like my, uh, my big hitter for this year. He, and he seems like he's on board with it as well. So I'm, I'm not shocked. He's, he made that call as well there. Um, was he at the, was he at the draft? Um, yeah. Oh, you got to meet Adam. How? Oh wait, wow. no, no, he was not. He was not. He was not okay. at the draft. No, oh, I'm not as jealous. In spirit and in video. Okay. Well, I mean, he is, he is the man. Uh, there's no arguing that. All right. Let's go now to some other big news. Another big trade that went down today, March 14th. Athletics, the Oakland Athletics, trading Matt Olson to the Atlanta Braves, which is signifying the Freddie Freeman era in Atlanta 
is over. And Matt Olson is now going to be their new first baseman. The package going back to Oakland is Christian Pache, Shay Langer, uh, Langer, I think it's Langer. I should know how to say his name. I think it's uh, Langoliers, Ryan Cusick, and Joe Estetis. I got to ask you guys, I'm not asking you to, to judge the prospect hall per se, but what did you think about this trade? Matt Olson is was obviously one of the best players in baseball last year. He's the consensus, you know, I think the third first baseman going off the board right now, as far as an NFBC. And uh, he's somebody that I would, that is going to be good for this Atlanta lineup, but he's not going to have the presence that Freddie Freeman obviously did with what Freeman's done for them for so long. Were you guys shocked that the Atlanta Braves seemed like they just gave up on trying to bring Freddie Freeman in and just went this route, Doc? You would think you would think he would learn from now. He's a rookie and left his thing on mute. It rarely happens to me. You know, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not because we've seen the owners don't really care about baseball. They care about profit. And that's what we've seen with the Reds getting rid of people for no reason, just so that they can shed payroll. Um, I think, you know, it was interesting. I was talking with somebody today. The Nats are doing, or the Braves are doing with Freddie Freeman what the Nats should have done with Steven Strasburg, where they should have just let him test the market because he was just coming off a career season, which they won the World Series, and they paid him for what he did in the past, not in the future. But if you're the Braves, I mean, you got Acuna and Albies at steals. Freddie Freeman has been with the organization since 2006, 2007. You have to bring him back. That just shows the fans you don't care. And the GM, the video of him tearing up, knowing that they weren't going to bring Freddie Freeman back. I mean, that just shows you what you need to know. It's just an embarrassment. Yeah, I feel for Braves. I didn't see any Braves fans today happy about the signing at all or happy about this trade. I saw most of them just saying the fact that they wouldn't even, that they gave up this easily on bringing him back, that it came down to whatever money they weren't willing to do, whatever years they weren't willing to do. You save so much money with the Acuna and the Albies contracts that you have the money there and they just seem like they're just trying to pocket as much as they can. And, and just one more, like two more quick points. One, they said Freddie Freeman's agent didn't let them know they were doing the Matt Olson trade. And it was a good trade. Like the Braves got Matt Olson for pennies on the dollar, but I just think it sends a message to people, future free agents that might want to play for the Braves that no matter what you do, and, and this is co- coming off a team that got additional revenue for winning the world series that, they're going to be selective about who they sign and they're going to be frugal. Yeah. They, they very much seem like a cheap franchise right now. LC, what did you think about this, this trade? Do you like it for the Braves for Olsen is Olsen now firmly your number three first baseman. And then you think the Braves are cheap because it pretty much seems like that way. I, I think that the Braves are doing smart business here, to be honest with you. It's, it's spicy. Yeah. I mean, Freeman is 32 this this big contract is going to be for his decline phase especially the back end of it's going to be really hard to stomach no matter how good he is at the front end of it it would it would only be paying for past production uh there's two more arbitration eligible years on matt olson um he's a better defender than freeman is he has more he has his power is just going to Go into a better ballpark. I mean, this is this is a strong move. The Braves are back in on Solaire. They're they're you know they're they're looking they're looking to bring the band back together in a way that 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 
meets their payroll concerns, quote unquote. And, you know, it is a business. Freeman's going to make a huge payday. I mean, I don't feel bad for him. Uh, I do feel bad for Atlanta fans who want to see Freeman there forever. But I think it's a good move for the Braves franchise. Yeah, well, again, it's not like they're giving up at the position. Matt Olson is very capable. Again, if you're looking just at NFBC ADP, it's Vlad, Freddie Freeman, then Matt Olson. So you're basically getting, you're expecting to get similar production, maybe more home runs, but just less batting average. Uh, Marty, let's close this part out. What were your thoughts on everything that went down with this trade? I think it's going to be great for everybody. I, I like it for Olsen, um, especially from a fantasy perspective. The Braves um, lineup is way better, leaps and bounds better than the A's. The stadium is way better for you know in every type of hitting that you could possibly look looking at all the metrics. Uh, Olsen's only 28 years old. Like as Art said, Freeman's 32. So from like a long-term um, uh, signing, I think it's really great. And I, I think when I'm thinking of Freddie Freeman, I think of a, a guy named Miguel Cabrera here in Detroit, who we still have, who we signed to a huge contract. And, you know, you talked to me five, six years ago, I would be, everyone would be devastated, you know, if we would have got rid of them. But now here we are, if we could have maybe signed somebody a little bit younger, you know, at that point, it would have put us in a, in a better spot. Uh, and at the end of the day, Freddie Freeman's probably going to go to the Dodgers. You know, he's lives in Orange County. He's a Southern California kid. He's going to be able to go back home. Um, you know, kind of, uh, he has his championship. He's done everything he could for the Braves. So it's time for him you know, he's got a con around his neck. You see, you know, he's about to cash out. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think everybody touched on it pretty well. Uh, let's go to another move. The Washington Nationals made a surprising signing by signing designated hitter Nelson Cruz to a one-year deal worth $15 million. And the contract includes a mutual option for the 2023 season. Obviously, you know, he's been one of the best bats in baseball for over a decade. He's posted a WRC plus of at least 106 each season since 2008 and a WRC plus of at least 122 in each season since 2013. And this was not a guy that just like had one or two teams looking at him. This is with the expanded DH, uh, DH across both leagues. Now there was a lot of teams that are interested on him. And I'm assuming it was probably the nationals mostly because they probably offered him the most money, but the nationals are not a team right now that's contending, which is the thing that's very confusing to me. You think he's probably going to slot in between Juan Soto and Josh Bell. He's got 30-plus home runs, obviously, in that bat. We went from being him not signed to him signing somewhere. Where do you think he is in relation to where he was going in his ADP? Are you bumping him up? Are you taking him down? Because as it stands right now, NFBC ADP has Nelson Cruz. uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's going around pick 180. I'm going to look over the last few weeks here, but that was what he was consensus what are your thoughts about this cheesecake? Are, are you do you like the spot for Nelson Cruz? I like Nelson Cruz anywhere but Tampa Bay, I think. So um because it just seemed like Tampa Bay was not he did not hit well in in that stadium like a lot of hitters don't. I think he's going to be he's 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 in a long and slow decline phase, but he's still going to be very good. And I think that um I think that the Nationals needed to sign some lineup protection seriously or else uh, um, Soto was was uh, about to break Barry Bonds' uh, walk record. Uh, well, thinking of protection, uh, and you can use this in more ways than one, we have some protection coming in the, coming in the, uh, the stream here. Sleepy K, Mike Curlin's joining the stream. Spur of the moment guest here. We're, while we're doing our free agent news, what's up, buddy? Um, just now getting upright. 
I was supposed to be on for the whole show, but um, better late than never. I've been dealing with a bit of a stomach bug today. Anytime I get to hang out with Doc, though, it's a win in my book. <laughs> it's fantastic. Your guys' library. That's the nicest thing you ever said to me, Sleepy K. You can go back to bed. We won't miss you. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, as the, the listeners don't want to hear your cringy rivalry here. So while we're talking about Nelson Cruz, also, if you don't know, Sleepy K is also looks into hitting as much as anybody in the industry. What were your thoughts about him going to the Nationals on that one-year $15 million deal? Do you like this for him, or is this kind of downgrading him for you from where he was going? I, I think it can only be better than the second half of last year. Like when you look at it, he had a hell of a first half. And then that second half was just atrocious. And I wonder how much of that was the batter's eye in, um, in Tampa. So I don't, I don't know how much worse it could be than the second half, but ultimately I think it's kind of a, like it's whatever he's going to hit probably most likely between Soto and bell. So he gets himself some lineup uh, protection as well. It's a linear move. I don't think he's going to move out. He shouldn't shoot up draft words too much, but the fact that he signed, he will. I just, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, he's what, 40, 41? Like, I'm losing track of how old this guy is. Like, is this he's the year old. he finally falls off? Like, there's a lot of ifs and um, question marks, but ultimately, I've learned just to not doubt him, but the move itself, it, like, I'm thinking, like, we should be valuing him similarly to how we valued him as a twin last year with the twins not being as good as they were, but he was still able to produce the, the Nats aren't expected to be a great team, but he should still produce and he does have a prime lineup spot with protection around him. So ultimately I, like I said, I see him moving up a little bit because we know he's playing, but I don't know. I'm not overly excited from this landing spot. Dodgers would have been better. Oh my God. With the Dodgers would have been freaking incredible. He's going right now. Nelson Cruz over the last two weeks is going around pick 180 on NFBC. So pretty still pretty good value for him. We'll see if that how much the ADP shifts. Elsie, uh, give me a 30 second or less answer because you had to put him in the group chat. Vince Velasquez to the White Sox. Why were you why was that group chat worthy? Um, well, Vince Velasquez is kind of, uh, you know, from his time when he came out in 2016 and had like a nice run for the Phillies. He's always been, you know, one of our home league you know, common streaming options. So I felt like it needed to go in the group chat because he's going to the White Sox and uh, he might have a chance to get some innings there. They're, they look like they're going with a six-man rotation. And I always think, you know, he has that strikeout talent. So, you know, if if, if they if the White Sox can get something out of him better than uh, than um, than what the Phillies did, then I'm, I'm, li- I'm liking it because I think he has arm talent. All right, fair enough. Edber Alzale, for people that were taking him later in drafts, he's expected to start the season on the IL due to shoulder tightness. And anytime you see shoulder and pitcher, not ideal. I, I think that's going to take Alzale from going to being a later round pick to going undrafted in most leagues, just to kind of wait to see what's going to happen with that. Uh, I'm interested to bring up the Phillies bullpen really quickly here. The Phillies signed Brad Hand, and they also signed Jerry's Familia. Is anybody concerned that this is not Corey Knable's job, Marty? Uh, yeah, so I have Canable everywhere, as as you guys know. So thank you for singling me out on that. And <laughs> you know what? Hey, they still paid him ten million dollars. So I think, and the um, the manager said a few days ago that as of right now, he is still the closer. That being said, I think that if you do have him, you know, you may want to spend some money on Fab to the scoop up who's going to be the handcuff there. But as of right now, I don't think anyone has tons of um, 
you know, uh, confidence in him anyway. So I don't think it's really going to deter anybody. But uh, for closer, we, he has the role as of now, so we'll take it and run with it. And LC, the Diamondbacks signed Ian Kennedy. All your Mark Melanson shares, are you screaming? Are you are you are you worried about your Mark Melanson shares? I, I'm not. I'm just also glad that I didn't get any Ian Kennedy shares because I think I think it's Melanson's job. Um, and I was, you know, sort of targeting Kennedy late in drafts. I, it never worked out correctly for me, but uh, I know a lot of people who thought that he was going to get one of the open closer jobs, and and I, I think it's Melanson's. Okay. Let's go to another big trade. And this is a multi-part trade. So we're going to break down the first part and then the second part and then what it means for all three teams because this is going to be a big chunk right here. And it all, of course, has to involve my Minnesota Twins. And the first part, the main part of the deal, Mitch Garver going over to Texas, Isaiah Connor Falefa going to Minnesota. Very much don't understand that move. And then right after that goes down, IKF, I you you think he's going to be a twin, and then they go around and they trade him and Josh Donaldson over to the Yankees for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshel. And I know there's other parts of that deal, but you guys aren't necessarily listening for those pieces because they're not going to necessarily be relevant this season. I'm curious, what were your guys' thoughts about everything about what were the, what are the Twins doing right now? Because there's another trade they made that we're going to examine in a second. I personally was not a fan of this at all. Either of the trades that they made, I think the other teams won both trades. Personally, I know the Twins unloading Donaldson and his $50 million definitely is a win. That's the one thing I will say I can understand. But I'm I'm looking at the potential things that they're looking to do. And part of me is still concerned that they're just looking for these short-term Band-Aid fixes that aren't necessarily going to be long-term pieces, at least for the pieces they're trying to acquire right now. Uh Help break this down for me, Sleepy K. There's a lot of hitters exchanging hands here. Start first with the Texas side, the Texas Twins trade, and then you can transition to the other one. What were your thoughts about all these pieces going in in these trades? And he's on mute. I am on mute. All right, oh. sweet. I don't think I forgot. I pressed the mute on over here. I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, I don't know what the Twins are doing. Because <laughs> it just seems like a bunch of odd moves. I understand unloading the contract of um, of Donaldson. That made sense to me. So I get because that's them trying to be cheap and all that. But like I, I read something today that they got Gary Sanchez you know, in this deal, which again, we'll talk. I guess I don't know what deal anymore. They're, I'm just looking at their roster right now, and it's all over the place. But um, they got Gary Sanchez today, and they're talking about him being a DH. So who's going to catch for them? I'm thinking is Jeffers still in line to be the primary catcher? He is, but he's a defensive Sanchez, catcher. That's what I'm thinking. And then Sanchez is supposed to DH slash backup catch, but on roster resource, it has him plugged in as the catcher. Curl off a DH. I'm like, no, Cross is playing first base, but then you have Sano, and then you have Rochella. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I like Jose Miranda a lot. I really think this opened up. A, if anything, it opened up a huge opportunity for him to come up and just do stuff. He looked great in the minors last year. Has a bat that should be ready for the major leagues. Apparently, defense is his problem. But I don't know if this team is necessarily done making moves. But when you look at it, the team still isn't bad. Like I'm looking at their roster right now, and it's not bad. It's it has depth now. Like if you go look at it, it's it's not pretty. But that division, this is the final year where they get to play heavily in this division. I think the Twins can still be competitive. With this team, they, I mean, maybe there's a lot of swing and miss in the middle of that lineup, but I don't know. I'm looking at it, I'm like, meh. 
Like, like we see the Guardians do something similar every year where they compete with a lackluster offense and their pitching carries them. They're, they're making they're gonna make moves on the pitching side, so maybe they can uh maybe they can surprise us. I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic. I but I don't you're right. I don't I don't get what the hell I'm looking at. What did they do? I don't know. It feels like a bunch of weird moves. It really is. It, it, I mean, yeah, maybe I, there's rumors Trevor Story could be their shortstop they're bringing in, which I guess then it would make sense to use that money for him. Uh, I, I very much am in on Jose Miranda this year. I think he's going to be a huge boom for that lineup. So, you know, if this creates an opening for him to be able to play, then I'm very excited for that. But they haven't necessarily said he is going to to break camp with them yet. I think there's something we're going to have to wait and see on. And Luis Arias to be honest with you, is empty batting average at this point. He's not an exciting player, not somebody that you would want most of the time outside a super utility role. And right now he's slated to start, which is not ideal right now. So He has good on base skills, though, so at least he's not, like, for real-life baseball, I think he's better than fantasy. That's the thing. So I think he actually will stick towards the top because he is really good at getting on base, doesn't strike out a lot, makes a lot of contact. His on-base skills have been proven to be good enough to be a leadoff hitter. In on a real team, not like again, you know, fantasy purposes, not exciting, doesn't really do much for you. But wouldn't be surprised if he stuck there, at least on the strong side of a platoon. I think last year he even platooned at times, but always leading off against righties. And as a lefty, it makes sense. Doc, did you have any strong thoughts about that? Or go ahead, Elsie. I just wanted to say that Arias showed up in the best shape of his life. So (laughs) (laughs) it's true. He worked out with Nelson Cruz all offseason. The man is swole, he's looking good. He's feeling good. I saw it on the Twitter machine. So, you know, it's a fact. It's best shape of our life season. I've been so excited to hear that again. Uh, Doc, if you have any thoughts about this before we go to their pitching move, go ahead. I just think it's interesting. They swung trade IKF. They got him and then flipped him right away. Took whatever small profit you want to say. I think it's a little bit of a decrease. I mean, Gary Sanchez and Mitch Garver are catchers that have power, but high K rates. And I think both needed a new change of scenery. And I get it from the unloading contract perspective. I mean, here's the thing. The players the Twins got are probably more durable than Donaldson and Garver. So if you look at it from that perspective, I actually think it's a win for the Trent. Win for the Twins. Yeah, tried to rhyme and couldn't work. Uh, I will notice or I will make note that the Twins spent right now, as it stands, are spending about $94 million on the books. And they spent anywhere from 125 to 131 from 2018 to 2019. So if they get near that type of salary, they still have over $30 million to play with uh, to bring in free agents for next season. So uh, they may not be done. I, I thought they were going to flip Gary Sanchez, though, and it sounds like they're keeping him. So you just hope a change of scenery could maybe affect that and, and do something different there. Uh, now, Marty, I'm going to flip over to the pitching side because they also made a big move as far as a pitcher as they acquired Sonny Gray and they gave up Chase Petty for him. Chase Petty is one of the the few picks in the 2021 draft this year I actually had watched a little bit of because uh, he actually came up on a random highlight, like you, one of the recommended YouTube videos when I was looking at prospect stuff. It's like it's like a local high school throws 100 miles an hour in perfect game, and it was Chase Petty. And he actually is from the town that I'm going to be moving to in New Jersey, which is actually pretty wild. So... I've actually followed him a little bit for the last year. Throws a hundred. He he's projected he could be a, a you know a front line arm. Uh, he was the first round pick for the Twins this year, so he is a pretty good prospect. They gave up for, but Sonny Gray is under team control, so it's also works out for the Twins. Do you like Sonny Gray in Minnesota? 
I absolutely love Sonny Gray in Minnesota. I mean, I don't think anyone's happier for this trade um, than him. I mean, getting out of the great American small park and yeah, for the Reds, I mean, Chase Petty, I mean, the Reds have no interest in winning right now. They have no interest in spending money. So then just gobbling up as many top, you know, high end prospects as possible, you know, that that's, what's going to be good for them. Um, but yeah, back to Sonny Gray. I mean, when you look, when you go to his roster resource page or his baseball savant page, everything looks great there. Um, his, his ERA was a little bit up, you know, 4.19 last year. Um, but the, uh, the K percentage is still in the 72, uh, 72nd percentile. Uh, he's not walking too many people and he got out of that ballpark. You know, you look at any type of uh, metric as far as, you know, a hitter's park, the red stadiums, you know, sky high. So for him able to get out of there and then go to a team, that's going to be, um, you know, they, they're going to make a chance to make one of those uh, playing games, you know, one of those, uh, or like one of the last slots, one of the new slots for a, for a playoff team. So I think it's gonna be good for him. He's a competitive guy who wants to be able to win and he's out of that small little park. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's one of the few pitching moves the twins have done over the last few years. I actually am a fan of, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, let's move just, we're going to move on here to a, another hitter that I think we need to talk about Ronald Acuna, who is now hoping to return in May. There's been conflicting reports. He said he's ready for opening day and now it's coming down that it looks like May could potentially be more when he's coming back. I got to ask you, sleepy K Ronald Acuna has been shooting up draft boards. Now he's going inside the top 10 picks. Sometimes you've been taking him inside the top five. If you're drafting right now, where would you feel comfortable taking Acuna? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think realistically, the back end of the first, he was the reason why he shot up was because of all the news of like we're not starting till May, roughly or potentially. So that made sense. Like, okay, well, if we have a late start to the season, we're gonna get him probably ready for opening day. Well, we're getting a late start. We're still getting two weeks, so that's still two weeks extra of him getting ready. And realistically, he could be ready by early to mid May. So. Between that, if you if you pair what you're getting with Acuna with replacement value, I'm okay with a back end of the first round pick. The deeper the league, I'm a little more about security. But like in a shallower format, I'll take chances because it's easier to find the replacement value. But at the end of the day, I think regardless, the back end of the first is still where he belongs because that's where he was going before the, you know, the potential of him, you know, being ready for opening day to because everyone was already expecting May. So if you just kind of reconfigure your mindset to what it was prior to the hype of him being ready for opening day, he should just, that ADP should just go back to where it was. So I'm kind of in line with what's probably going to happen. That's back into the first. Elsie, you're the very much like an, um, the injury troll on this show. You're the person that's always taking people the latest with their injuries. So where are you going to take Raul Acuna? Um, well, as Mike was talking there, I was like, do I do I consider Acuna at eight in my DARF draft? And I don't think so. Um, but two weeks sitting him for two weeks, that's not very much. That's not a lot of that. That's not a lot of holding on to him. Two weeks of it, it, it if that's really all it's going to be. Um, I probably put him. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I probably put him around the uh, the Luis Ro- Robert area. Yeah, back end of the first. I don't think I could take him at eight. Um, now that I think about it, but back end of the first, early second, he still has the speed. Uh, you can you can drool about the speed that he might potentially give you, which is way better than a lot of those other guys you get in there. So, I think you got to go with him there. That's crazy. That's still way too early. Oh, you're the injury troll. Okay. 
No, I mean, just think about it. Like, okay, he's Troll. missing. I mean, okay, he's missing the first month. Do you think he's an everyday player when he comes back? I bet Absolutely. you he's. I bet Absolutely. You he's, I bet you he's two out of three or three out of four. Why would they? Why would they play? They him have every the DH. They have the DH now to keep him healthy. They're going to rotate him in and out. Yeah, they're going to rotate him in and out. Doesn't mean he plays every day. I don't think they bring him back to sit him. I, I, Acuna is not. And when you recover from ACL injury, it's usually pretty like you're good to go. There's no like the one thing I'd be concerned about, and the reason why I am a little apprehensive at his cost is the the stolen bases. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid he might not run as much. That's my big thing. But when he comes back to play, because if he thinks he's ready now and the team is playing it safe. When they bring him back, they're not gonna bring him back before he's 110 percent ready. So I'm not personally not concerned about the the red the, the consistent rest days because I don't think they're gonna bring him back unless they're like, all right, you can play every day again. And Ronald Acuna, good, Ronald Acuna tore his ACL July 10th. Let's say he plays May 10th. He hasn't fit faced live pitching or an in-game situation in 10 months. You think he's just gonna pick it up and be a 300 hitter right away? There's probably gonna be rust to begin. I'm not too concerned. Uh, personally, again, it's all about personal preference. I'm not concerned. I don't. I don't doubt the talent. It's Ronald Acuna. I don't, I don't doubt the talent either. That's but like, there's a that's ramping like, up period. I understand that, but when when you're when you're a special talent, I don't think the same rules apply. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I need. There's actually I'm sure there's research behind that that we either debunk what I just said or not. But it's like it would be the same thing with Soto. If Soto. Like I was coming back from the same injury, I wouldn't be doubting Soto's skill set either. It's just there's a certain amount of talent and a certain amount of like I just kind of have these expectations of a player. I don't doubt it as much with him. Maybe again, I, maybe it's biased. Maybe I don't know what you want to call it. I, I can't prove it, but I just don't have the same level of concerns with a with a true start talent. That's like Mike Trout. Mike Trout hasn't been healthy in years, but we know when Mike Trout hasn't played, what, you want to talk about injuries and all that, he's come back from a calf that made him lose most of the year last year. He missed more time than Acuna, and now he's going to come back. Are you really going to doubt Mike Trout? No. And there's a ramping up period, but I guess what argument, I bet you Acuna's going to ramp up in the minors. He's not going to just come back without ramping up in the prior to coming back. Yeah, and I think that's why we've seen a downgrade to Mike Trout, and Mike Trout has been consistent longer over a longer period of time. I think when healthy, he's by far the best hitter overall in baseball. Yes. But he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But now we're seeing it reflected in his ADP. And this is Acuna's first serious injury. I think there's a mental aspect. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I wouldn't take him till end of round two earliest just for me. Oh, and you hit man. on the point you hit on the point with a stolen base also. Like Marty, would you say roster resources pegging him for 22 steals? I can't see any scenario where he hits that. I'm thinking 15-ish personally, which is still po- probably a little on the optimistic side. I just yeah. don't see I don't see them bringing him back and saying, "Hey, you're getting a yellow light." Like in general, they're going to say Acuña do Acuña things or not. I don't think there's any I have a hard time thinking there's any in between. It's not he's not old, he's in his prime still, and my understanding about ACL injuries, although minimal, is when a player comes back from them, it's usually just as strong if not stronger, right? With ACLs, I'm not sure. Again, now I can't speak. I'm not an expert on this. I'm, not, I'm no Dr. Dave. But <laughs> I can't think of a, a better way to transition from Ronald Acuna than someone who's going to be better than him this season in Lewis Ooh. Brinson. Lewis Brinson. God. Is there is there any hope for my guy this year? The is spring there training the goat. Spring training goat. <laughs> Just expect a couple of spring training home runs, hit 340, and then do nothing in the regular season. That is a, literally, it's a, you, you can, every year, that's what you're getting. Spring training goat and falling on his face is there anybody that you want to succeed more than lewis brinson with his prospect pedigree how hard he works the potential you've seen like 
he's the well, guy that we're ever all rooting for, right? Right? He's not. No, he's not on the Marlins anymore. Kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biased at all. I'm not biased at all. In a, in a, if, any, if I do any more DC 50s, I'm taking him with my last pick. Oh, no you want to hear? You want to hear some pain? You're welcome here, Doc. You'll enjoy this. So I joined a DC 50 just to get just to wet the whistle a little bit. I literally 24 hours before the Wheeler news came out, I took Wheeler in the second round, thinking, "Oh my goodness, happy first share of Wheeler, no big deal." Let's go. An hour, an hour before the Gallon news, I decided to take Gallon for the first time too in the same draft. Let's go, oh, no. buddy, down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, luckily, it's a DC 50, so at this point, it's just laughable. But it's like I have been making the worst picks at the worst times. Like, like the Wheeler one was 24 hours. But now we're talking about the gallon one like an hour before the news broke. This is why this year drafting early sucked. And mm-hmm. I wish I didn't do it as much, but I feel like I had to waste time somehow. And and every all these changes, very few have benefited my teams. Although I only had one Tati share. That one burned still a little bit though. But again, another DC fifty. So again, at least it was a smaller stake league. But still, man, this is this is terrible. It's drafting <laughs> early is, is definitely like this is the downside to it for sure. But the upside is is a lot of these players that are gaining value. If you hit it on a column A, if you hit on a, I don't know, insert player here, Josh Harrison even, like if you think he's going to start for the White Sox, like these deep league guys in your early drafts, now the, the ADP is going to rise. Jose Miranda, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to jump up boards a little bit too. It's just is it Senzel is a big one. Senzel is a guy who's pretty much free in drafts. And now, because for, for some reason, I don't know why Russell Resource had, this is why I argue with Russell Resource sometimes. They had Senzel on the bench for whatever reason. I never bought that. But that was helping keep the price down. Now he's plugged into Russell Resource's uh, top uh, starting lineup. And the team has sold everything else around him away. So Senzel is another guy who's going to climb. But if you were on top of it first, you know, him, Mustakas, there's playing time to be had this lineup. So stuff like that, like if you were in on these guys early, that's the benefit of drafting early, but at the end of the day, realistically, you're probably best drafting closest to the season to avoid all these major headaches. Yeah, and we're going to quickly run through here uh, just some moves we haven't got to quite yet. The Mets acquiring Chris Bassett from the A's for right-handed pitching prospects JT Jin and Adam Aller. Uh, JT Jin apparently is actually one of the the, uh, the better pitching prospects in the Mets system. And uh, is he not? An, like Chris Bassett seems like he just fits the Mets. He's going to fit in at the number three spot behind a Grom and Scherzer. Someone that's been very durable. Eighth eighth place finish in Cy Young voting in, in the 2020 season. Also looked very good last year. Uh, this is just a guy, I'm not going to go through all his stats, but uh, the Mets got themselves a, a nice third starting pitcher here. Marty, we were talking about all the Mets and all the stuff they've been doing. You must have been a big fan of this move for Bassett. I think this is the so far. This is the biggest trade of the offseason. I think it's going to make make the most impact because when we think about Degrom, you know the potential there of him potentially getting hurt. You know they backed it up. Um, they'll have Cookie Carrasco still on the back end there, and they got to be the World Series favorite or at least close to it at this point. And that that trade, I mean, Stephen Cohen, even when he's not spending money, you know he's getting you know some of the best uh, players in baseball. So I love everything the Mets are doing. Yeah, the Mets are making some moves. Some other moves, White Sox signed Joe Kelly. He's going to be another piece in that bullpen. The Rockies signed Alex Colome, who to me is Wade Davis 2.0 in that Rockies bullpen. So I, I'm actually not touching him with a 10-foot pole personally. Uh, then you also have, we mentioned the Phillies bringing in Jerry's Familia to that bullpen. The Astros brought in Nico Goodrum. 
The White Sox bringing in Josh Harrison should be a great bull or depth piece there. He might, I think he's even supposed to start at second base, if I'm not mistaken, from what I've heard. So there's that potential there. And then the Rockies bringing in Jose Iglesias, more Garrett Hampson sorrow for all our Garrett Hampson fans out there. Uh, just they seem like they don't want to play him whatsoever. Let's talk about the uh, Giants really quick because they brought in Carlos Martinez and more notably they got they brought in Carlos Rodon on a two-year deal. Elsie, uh, really quick, I need your Cliff Notes version. What do you think about this for Rodon? Because they're saying if the Giants trust him for a two-year deal, his medicals must have checked out even better than they thought. And we saw the potential that he had last year working with the new pitching coach over with, with the Chicago White Sox using the core velocity belt. And he was absolutely dynamite last year. Are you going to be buying what's going to eventually be a decent bump from him in drafts? No, I'm not going to. I think that the Giants feel like they can get good innings because they've signed a lot of people. They're 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 signing a lot of depth. And Rodon is a higher, higher end talent on that depth, one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. But they also signed Alex Cobb, they signed Alex Wood, they signed Tony Disco, they signed uh, minor league deals for other guys who 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 have a chance to have guys who who contributed five, six starts last year. They, they know that they have the depth to make it through the season and that's, and that's what they're doing. I don't think it necessarily means anything, you know, specific about how great Rodon's shoulder is. I think what it means is that the giants want to get Rodon on their team so that they can have the best high end rotation as possible but they know that they might have to to supplement his starts with other starters because he might get injured i i I think they've gotten good results from injured pitchers um and they could get more but i i don't necessarily think this means that rodan is completely healthy okay so i I think you're definitely it's right now split in two it's like people are buying the the healthier checkup with him and they're going to, you know, buy in the production. They maybe say, hey, maybe he gives you 110 innings, 120 innings of elite production, and you just find volume elsewhere. And other people are like, no, I'm not going to buy him where he's going to eventually bump up to because he's a value right now, but that's not going to stay that way. So that's the part where you have to, you're going to have to adjust as he's going to be adjusted in drafts. Uh, Marty, give me your quick thoughts on Yusei Kikuchi going to the Toronto Blue Jays on a three-year deal. He's going to fit in that rotation, and we've seen glimpses from him. We see Toronto also kind of fix Robbie Ray. Do you yeah. think Kikuchi is a nice sleeper? I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's a why not signing. I mean, he had such a good first half last year, and then he obviously fell off in the second half. I don't love that he's going to the AL East, that he's going to be in that ballpark. He'll be in you know, pitching in Baltimore, New York, um, against the Rays, second-best offense in baseball last year. So, I think he'll be, you know, their back end starter. I expect around a 4.5 ERA. So if you want to take a shot, you know, throw a dart out there in a DC or maybe your, you know, your last starter, I think it's, you know, there's something there, but I wouldn't go crazy. All right. And then let's go around the horn really fast. Clayton Kershaw to the Dodgers, one year deal, his farewell tour, riding off into the sunset on his horse. Are you going to draft him? I think right now on NFBC, I think he's going to round pick 110. I'm going to double check that for you guys. Over the last two weeks, Clayton Kershaw actually has an ADP of 165. Earliest pick is 111. Late pick of 236. Keep in mind, this is mostly before he was signed. So I got to ask you guys, are you in or are you out 
on Clayton Kershaw in 2022. Let's go around the horn. Sleepy K. Out. Doc? Out. LC? Um, I, I'm probably out. Marty? Out. I haven't drafted him anywhere. All right. So even though he's coming back to the Dodgers, he said if he wasn't healthy enough to pitch, he wouldn't have came back. He's expected to go for opening day. Triple play fantasy and Curland are all out on Clayton Kershaw. There you have it. Are you it. out on him? He would have to fall in the 200s for me to draft him. So, yes. So, you're out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, getting, I'm, not, I'm not getting him there. All right. Well, I think we pretty much hit. I mean, Steve Ciszek to the Nationals. There you go. Now we hit everything. Aaron hit Sanchez every- to the Nationals. Hey, Chris okay. got out. Lester boy. Sean Doolittle to the Nationals too, right? <laughs> Angelton Simmons to the, the Cubs. I love that for Mark uh, Marcus Stroman, and I love it for Kyle Hendricks heavily, you know, mm-hmm. ground ball pitchers. Now they have Nick Madrigal, and then, you know, him at the turn. I, hey, I have tons of both of those guys, so I absolutely love that. Elsie, I'm waiting for you to throw one in. Can we just talk about how good the oh. Brewers pitchers are now after that whole division just gave up? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we want to talk about other uh, uh, national signings because they made a few more. Uh, they, they've they been going nuts. Uh, but the, yeah. the, the, the Anderson Simmons, it, it, it does mean that uh, you have to worry about Nico Horner's playing time. But I, I don't think he was terribly valuable to begin with. Oh, okay. Well, if we didn't have everybody, which we didn't quite get, I think we got about like 90% of the free agent signings, which is pretty much if, if you haven't been caught up, now you are. If you didn't know, if you don't know, now you know. And uh, that's where we stand today. We'll have definitely have a part two because when we talk to you guys next week, there's going to be a whole bunch of signings. I'm sure you'll see Freddie Freeman signed. You'll see uh, uh, Chris Bryant signed, Kyle Schwarber, just a few big names that still have not been signed that I expect by our next show Next week, you guys will probably hear some of these names being in places. But on that note, I want to make sure we get Sleepy K out of here on a nice note here. So, Mike, please plug everything you're doing right now. You're doing a lot. I had a whole intro prepared for you that now is just going to go in the trash. or I'll, I'll probably just save it for the next time you're on, uh, assuming yeah. you don't change your bio too much. But thanks for coming on, buddy. No, of course. Uh, appreciate you having me. Sorry it was last minute, but I wasn't even going to come on at all. I actually canceled on you at one point today. <laughs> so I'm glad I could even make an appearance. But uh, thanks for dealing with me, especially you, Doc. I know how much you loathe me. But uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. I'm lucky, lucky enough to be working at The Athletic now. So you can catch my uh, work there. I have a couple articles coming out soon, not to mention the, the spring training lineup stuff. I do have a spring training lineup tracker caught up and ready to go starting thursday so i'll be probably announcing that tomorrow um we are we, we are doing a transaction report over on sk playbook at the side i co-owned with george montanez um kind of like what you mentioned just kind of tracking everything we can between rumors and actual transactions and all that so yeah like you said i'm busy not to mention i have other stuff to do in the process so thanks for having me and you're also want to tell the people how many articles you have to do I don't want. I'm so so overwhelmed. I signed up for a whole bunch of articles back when we didn't have baseball. Now we have baseball, and spring training is kind of like I have no, I take no breaks in spring training, so I get to make up ground on the articles I signed up for, plus cover spring training daily, at least lineups. So yeah, I'm uh, I got the ibuprofen ready for the headaches, and I'm ready to go. See, I'm not kidding. It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> he is all ready, and Mike's a, Mike's a good friend oh. of the show. Glad to have you back on, even if it's just half the show, because, yeah. you know, your presence is a present here. So that's that's oh, all that thanks, matters. Buddy. I mean, I, I do it for Doc. I do it all for <laughs> Doc. 
<laughs> well, on that Appreciate note, we're going to get you. it. <laughs> on that note, we're going to get out of here. Like we told you guys in the beginning, we'll be doing two episodes a week, at least two episodes a week uh, for the next few weeks to get caught up before the season tips off. I think it's three weeks from now, so it's right around the corner. We'll be doing our next episode starting pitcher preview part one with Casey Bubba. It'll be our top 30. You guys will be hearing that later this week. We'll actually be recording that right now, so don't worry. We're not going to go too far from you guys, but until then, everyone, stay safe. Happy drafting. And we're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.